What is going on, FA Nation? Time for another family meetup. It's the Family Times podcast here on FantasyAlarm.com. Time to shoot the breeze with yours truly, Justin Fensterman, Matt Sells, Ryan Hallam. Guys, we're into conference championship week. We have Hall of Fame announcements, and we have Ryan Hallam's favorite sporting event of the year this Saturday, the Royal Rumble, Ryan. Come on. It's time to rumble. You know, I just saw that the other day, and I was like, oh, I should throw a contest together. And I'm like, I don't have enough time for that now. I didn't realize it was so soon. That that I will say, when I did watch wrestling, which was 20 years or so ago now, by the time I followed it regularly, that always was my favorite. Like, that that's the coolest match. I know they have two now, one for women and one for men. But, yeah, I just saw a, a clip the other day I caught on Twitter of when it was down to Flair and Hogan and Sid Vicious. And, yeah, yeah. I just saw that. I was like, "Damn, I always lo- really liked the Royal Rumble." And then I went and looked at what it was. I'm like, oh, "Too soon. Not enough time to do an event." But I will give you for for wrestling. Uh, that was always my number one. So and the Survivor, Survivor Series too was always fun. When in the beginning, when it was like the five man tags that they right. just made up. Not, I don't know what it's become now. But Sells, do you have any idea what we're talking about? <laughs> I mean, I do. I don't follow it, but obviously I haven't been living under a rock. I know what the Royal Rumble, Rumble is, but... Very, I, very nice. Well, I mean, since you're not living under a rock, do you know who's going to the Super Bowl, Selzy, at this point? I don't. We got four pretty good uh, contenders, though. We got arguably the four best teams uh, in the NFL left. Obviously, Buffalo was the two seed in the AFC, but did not show up like it last weekend. What the hell was that about they were flat the entire game that was the one that was the game that i really missed last weekend uh was i thought it was good it was a blowout sort of i mean the score doesn't really show how badly cincinnati beat the pants off of buffalo uh i had it going the other way but yeah that was also that's not the dumbest thing i saw we the dumbest thing was the cowboys uh, like, what were they doing? Wasting time, and then that final play was, holy God! That you put it out there, <laughs> then they called the a timeout, and then you put it back out there. What the? Like McCarthy should have not been let back on the plane to fly back to Dallas. Like that should be a fireable offense right there. I mean, like, Zeke as the center wasn't a good idea. <laughs> didn't, didn't the Colts try this on a fake, uh, on a I, fake punt or something one time with the wide receiver? Listen, I was happy as that was the last play because that throw to Dalton Schultz the play before. I'm like, crap, they're at least going to get him to throw a ball in the end zone. But then when I saw him, I'm like, there's got to be some sort of illegal formation when you have one offensive lineman and it's your running back. How is that not a penalty? I mean, I'm not going to complain because he got trucked and then Turpin got tackled in a second after he got the ball. But they, there's no way that's a legal formation. I mean, I guess technically they had wide receivers covering the tackles on the outside of the line of scrimmage. So. It was no tackles. It was one guy. <laughs> but like you drastically limit your your choices of where to throw that ball with that for like I understand wanting to get cutesy and clever, but like you've got to set up a hook and ladder. You can't just do the hook and then leave nothing for the ladder. Like <laughs> that was horrifyingly bad. What about you with your Dalton Schultz? What about you gotta learn how to keep your feet in bounds? when you have the ball instead of being overly anticipating it and not getting both feet in bounds. That's carelessness right there. 
No yeah, disrespect to Dalton Schultz, but you, you have to know with these stupid what's a catch and what isn't a catch rules out there, i.e. Jamar Chase, who should have had two touchdowns, which pisses off me along with other people that decided to utilize him in one-and-dones, which I thought was a smart decision still, thinking that the Bills, because I had predicted the Bills were going to win the Super Bowl, so I didn't want to not use Chase. But, dude, in these one-and-dones, especially that have weekly payouts, it frustrated me that he didn't get that touchdown counted on the board. I mean, what do you have to do? You have one little bit of movement there. When you're the ball's not even hitting the ground, it's clearly a catch. His feet are in bounds. You're going to call that out. I know it's the rule, and that's how it's stated, but it sucks. It, does anybody know what the rule is? Like, you say it's the rule, right? But, like, we go you all can't the way you. To- There's no movement. You have to be a statue with the ball somehow, someway breaking the laws of the fundamental laws of physics. Yeah, but like if we if we go back to like the, the Cowboys Packers game like several years ago, that was still a catch too from Dez. Like <laughs> this has been going for like a decade now. They they, they got to sort this thing out. It looked like they had it figured out for a little while, and then it's gotten all screwy, even worse again this year. I mean, it looked like the defender. I think I believe it was Matt Milano. Jarred it a little loose, and then his feet were kind of out of bounds. But he never he... lost control of the ball. Uh, I, I don't know. I I, I, I agree with you. I'm, I, I'm just trying to go off what I saw in the replay of what I guess they called was he jarred it a little loose, and then when he reestablished, he was out of bounds. I don't know. Yeah. Also, can we go to college pass interference rules, please? In the like 15 yards? Yeah. Mm, I agree. I feel oh. like it used to be opposite, and then they switched, and I don't know why. But it should just be a 15-yard penalty. You should not have the chance to have a 90-yard penalty on a play. Like, that's a complete bailout of, oh, nothing's working. I'm just going to heave it and hope my guy can draw a flag that's worth 55 yards. Like, there's there's no skill in that. I'm sorry, especially given how refs call offensive and defensive pass interference now, like it's just a shot in the dark. So it should just be a 15 yarder like it is in college. And the targeting rule in college, I like too, because they can review it and call it one of three ways. Either they can get rid of it, they can keep it as targeting and just make a 15 yard penalty, or they can also eject the guy and give him a 15 yard penalty. That should be what they do in the NFL, too. We have enough cameras. They review everything else. May as well review that, too. I keep seeing guys, and it seems like it changes by the day on who is favored by one point in this Chiefs-Bengals game because two days ago, it was the Chiefs. Yesterday, it was the Bengals. And now I'm looking on DraftKings Sportsbook as we record today, Thursday afternoon. Chiefs are now favored by one point again. What is this? This keeps just happening at this point. Why are we that much hanging on everything Patrick Mahomes says? Okay, he's playing with a high ankle sprain, which, by the way, and I talked with Adam Ronis on this too on other shows, is that high ankle sprain, which is a four to six week injury, somehow, some way, quarterbacks can still play on it. I may, maybe I'm just going out on a limb here. Maybe it's not a high ankle sprain. Just saying. I mean, it certainly looked like it. I I think the point spread came from the fact that he walked down that one step off the press conference yesterday. 
That's what I honestly think is what the so people are like, oh, he walked over, right? he's going to be okay. Like walking down one step, which he did limp a little bit, is the same as quarterbacking in a championship game. And I'll tell you what, if the Bengals pass rush comes to play like they did last Sunday, he's in a world of hurt. Uh, I mean, he had that one first down he could have ran for that he ended up that incomplete where you know almost fumbled it. I mean, if his his mobility. Sure, it's going to be somewhat, uh, but it's certainly not going to be normal. And I don't see him scampering 25 yards down the field. So, uh, I mean, right now I'd be uh, buying in on the Bengals, but uh, he's definitely hurt. He's definitely putting his best foot forward, uh, but there's no way he can be his normal self. And, and honestly, I think I think it was dumb to keep him in the game. I think they should have kept Chad Henney in the game unless the outcome wasn't in question. Uh, I think it was Mahomes' own pigheadedness. Uh, which is, you know, great competitive, all that. You want to be out there for your guys, but you're going for a Super Bowl. You got to be smart. I mean, and he came in, led him to a long touchdown drive. Why not leave that guy in there unless something's starting to go wrong? I I agree. Uh, I think we said, <laughs> you know, I've said that a couple of times this week elsewhere. Um, I think they're just going to hop him up on like Toradol and he'll be good. I I think that's what's going to happen. To be honest, I wasn't shocked to see that the Bengals um, were were favored at one point. I think they should be, to be honest. They've beaten the Chiefs with a healthy Mahomes three times in a row, uh, including in the postseason last year in Arrowhead. Um, so, I, look, this is clearly a close game. Um, but, man, I... I guess the only break that Kansas City's getting is that there's still offensive linemen that are hurt for the Bengals and aren't practicing. And if Chris Jones and Frank Clark can show up like they're capable of for Kansas City, that'll put some pressure on Joe Burrow. But uh, I don't know. It doesn't seem to matter where these Bengals play, to be honest. Uh, they <laughs> they they beat whoever's in front of them. So I am... Uh, Concerned for the Chiefs here. I'm not sure that they're going to make it past the AFC title game this year. Even with a healthy Mahomes, I'd be concerned. Um, because Eli Apple seems to be riding a wave of he figured out how to play football. Um, <laughs> and that certainly helps the Bengals' defense. I I don't know. I, I mean, I wouldn't, in the same breath, though, would you be shocked if an injured Mahomes pulls it out? Because that's kind of what he seems like he's capable of doing every week so i think the line is perfect when it comes to this game i mean my lean is that and and really it's more because of what we saw from since from cincinnati last week why i'm leading the Bengals there because i i really did think i know it's the bills we can look at the history i thought that this team from week one i thought this team was winning the super bowl and i thought that after that dolphins game it would be like a slap in the face they'd smarten up and they would be coming out gangbusters versus the Bengals. And the Bengals were just all over them. And I'm even though you got to be careful when looking at the previous week, I'm kind of riding that in this matchup where the line is constantly switching from either side. I mean, the Chiefs lost to the Bengals earlier this year. Now, I will say in those three losses they have in a row to the Bengals, they've had 18-point lead, 14-point lead, and 7-point lead, and they've lost them, which... I guess shows they can score on the Bengals. They can get up on the Bengals. But the defense, which has been a problem for the Chiefs for like four years, is still a question mark. So there's 
two ways to read that, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think you're right, though, Ryan. With if the if the pass rush for the Bengals shows up, it's going to be a long day for Mahomes. On the Buffalo side, and I agree, they're probably if they're not the most talented team in the AFC, they were close. They've been through a lot this year. I mean, think of they played in how many weather games. They had to have the one home game moved. Josh Allen hurt his elbow against the Jets. I don't think it was ever the same after that, to be honest. His play, you could see a distinct downgrade after Their that game. The defense has lost everybody. That defense, that Poyer, they had no white. They had uh, Vaughn Miller's eight, been out for half a year. Vaughn Miller, Dane Jackson went out for a while. I mean, then the whole DeMar Hamlin thing, I mean, it has been a crazy season for the Bills. You think about it, you know, from start to finish, the fact that they were where they were, I think, is kind of a testament to the guys themselves. But I do think ultimately that game against the Jets with with Allen, uh, I think, probably was the detriment to the season. He tried his best, but I mean, between the turnovers and just his play, he was not the same after that. And I, I know he says he heard it. I want to say he said before that, but uh, I, I think they. They had a, they had a quite a, a lot thrown at them during the year, injuries and 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 everything else. So, not shocked at Cincinnati, and, and maybe if none of that happens, Cincinnati wins anyway. Because I do think that they're overrated, really good. I'm sorry, an underrated, really good team, uh, who I think has a real shot to win the whole thing. How do you feel, Ryan, about your 49ers, two and a half point dogs taking on the Eagles on the road? But who cares? Their defense has just proven time and time again how good they are, and with even Brock Purdy there, they could still, Brock Purdy can have a subpar game, and they can still win this game, even against Philadelphia, because of just how staunch this defense has been. How are you feeling about this matchup? I think it's a toss-up, to be honest. Uh, you know, I feel fine going into it. I'm going to do all the superstitious things that I did the last two weeks going into it. What is uh, it? What do you do? What's your super? I didn't do. I really, I, I really didn't do much. I, I've toned it down this year. You know, it's I, not your fault. Like they could go out and lose by 35 points, but it's not your fault. You know. That. I know. I know that's how you feel. But no, I just have a glass and, and put a couple jerseys on the couch, and that, that's about it. I keep it. My my brother's a Cowboys fan, and my sister in law was sending questions. I mean, pictures of everything he was doing last week, and clearly that didn't help him as a Cowboys fan. Like, like no, a, he's not bad. He gave up at halftime. I'm like, you're down like one point. What's wrong with you? He's like, I've seen this before, <laughs> uh, which turned out to be right. But I mean, I think it's gonna be a great game. It's two great offenses. It's two great defenses. Uh, my hope for for the win is that you know the Eagles you can kind of run on them and that's our strength. I know McCaffrey is not really practicing, but I think that's more precaution than anything else. Uh, and Purdy, did he play fantastic? No, uh, it was against a great defense. The offensive line didn't play well, so he didn't have a lot of time. He didn't make a bonehead play, which eh, one went through Trayvon Diggs' hands, and there's probably another one that could have been picked off, uh, but. He made plays when he had to. And, you know, I know fantasy football Twitter is, oh, Brock Purdy sucks. Brock Purdy. I don't really care what anyone thinks. I mean, this kid is in the NFC Championship game. Uh, the, the coaches outside of the end of the first half where they just let 30 seconds run off the clock, which was odd to me. They trusted him along the way. He's made conversions on third and 15. Uh, you know, he's, he's just made plays when he had to. And that's all I can hope that he keeps doing. And, and McCaffrey drives the bus against, a, you know, tough Eagles secondary. But like I said, I think they gave up like 110 on the ground per game. So you can run on them some and, and hope Jalen Hurts isn't quite 100%, which he certainly did look on Saturday, but our defense is just a smidge better than the Giants' defense. <laughs> a, little, a, a little bit. 
the last time these two quarterbacks played each other, it was 42-41 uh, back in November of 2019 when Jalen Hurts was starting for Oklahoma and Brock Purdy was starting for Iowa State. They combined for 678 yards of offense and 11 total touchdowns in that game, by the way. Um, so, obviously, that's Big 12 college football, not NFL for the NFC Championship with far better defenses, I might add, <laughs> than we typically see in the Big 12. Um, but, yeah, I mean, at least these two have, you know, technically played each other previously, I guess, for what it's worth. Um I think this is going to be a back-and-forth game. I really do. I, I don't see a lot of separation between these two teams. Uh, I Could it wind up being a shootout? Sometimes we see these hyper-defensive games that wind up being a shootout because they just find the holes and it works. Um, I don't think that that's going to be the case here. I think we see, like, a 24-21 game. Maybe closer, maybe twenty-one twenty, uh, somewhere around there. So you're you're thinking the under's hitting in this game? It's at forty-six and a half. It's hard not to think the unders, right? You know that that they're gonna outscore that. It's kind of well, hard. It makes me wonder about the the Eagles because one of the things that the Eagles have really relied heavily on throughout the year clock management. And let's say well, they can run the ball like nobody's business. Right. Let's say they have themselves a touchdown and a half lead, like a 10 point lead. They just going to just go completely to the run and not even try to force it. And then just try to get that clock running down. If we're early, even if we're early in the second half, that's what I'm wondering. I think they're going to run it. And then when they need to pass it with safe, you know, underneath crossing routes or slants or, you know, I mean, that's what they did against the Giants, right? They had, what, an eight-minute drive in the fourth quarter or something? Again? Like, the Giants just couldn't get off the field. It was just demoralizing to watch, to be honest. Um, could they do that against San Francisco's defense? I don't know. It doesn't seem like anybody can move the ball with regularity against San Francisco's defense, but it also doesn't seem like anybody can move the ball with regularity against the Eagles' defense either, so... Certainly not on the ground. We've we've been if we're not the best defense against seventy seven yards a game. So that would be. I wouldn't suggest that early in the second half, but we'll see. You know, we'll see. I'm trying to decide in my one and dones because I've saved a lot of those forty ers options. I'm trying to decide if I go because I want to. What I'm trying to do is implore a strategy of I'm going to play Joe Burrow this week that way. I have both the NFC quarterbacks left for the Super Bowl week. So I'm not down a quarterback by doing that. And I'm deciding now, who do I put in? Because in all three of my contests, I have yet to use either Debo or Brandon Ayuk. So that I, th- I use Kittle in one of them, but I still also have Kittle. But I, I'm deciding between one of the two. I, I might, I mean, I don't want to put both of them in there. I want to save one in case the 49ers make it. I predicted that the Eagles are going to make the Super Bowl. Put that up on the site when we all did our predictions. Thank you for flipping me off. (laughs) But who do you like better, man, as someone who does a lot of content for the site when it comes to wide receivers versus cornerbacks here? Do you like Debo or do you like Ayuk better for this particular matchup? Well, I'll tell you, I'm I'm in our one and done also. And I have Samuel and Ayuk and I use Samuel this week. Um, 
one, because I also don't know if we're going to win this game. And two, I just think he has a chance of doing it in a couple different ways. And I don't want to see them lose and not have used either guy. So, uh, I mean, he has not been fantastic, you know, statistically uh, this postseason at all. Uh, but I think if he's if he's the one who's if someone's going to have a, a huge breakout game, I think it's going to be him. Now, Iuka's had a, a nice season, he's had a couple two touchdown games. Um, but I think if you're playing the odds, I think that it's a better chance that Samuel has a bigger game with between catching and running the ball. Uh, we've seen him break a number. He had that long touchdown against uh, Seattle. Uh, and he's, uh, you know, more of a guy who's going to take a long play and, and break it over Brandon, I think. Yeah, I mean, the threat of running certainly gives Debo the up, the upper hand over Ayuk, right? Um, they also seem to move Debo around more than um, they do Ayuk, which also helps because he might be able to get some more favorable matchups, um, whereas Ayuk might just get the leftover coverage so to speak um but that's a tough that's a tough call because you're ultimately reliant on brock purdy having himself a better day than he did against the cowboys uh to get some points out of that um so you said you said you're going to use burrow this week so you have one of the quarterbacks from the nfc Mm -hmm. left so does that mean you don't want to use an nfc quarterback to have both AFC because you're afraid of the defenses that the NFC teams possess? I think it's at this point it's a hedge. Well, so who I guess my question is who do you have available? You do you not have Mahomes available? I don't have I used Mahomes last week. Oh, okay. So that's yeah. more the the thing is that you And that's the other thing too, by the way. A lot of people think and and I told people that and a lot of people not seem wow, but seemed a little surprised by that. When you're in one and duns, if you have the good matchup, you use the good matchup. Oh, yeah. And I know you know that. I'm talking to everybody else out there. But that's why, Ryan, you knew that, right? I was talking to everybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's I felt that with Mahomes, that that Jaguars matchup was going to be the best he was going to get, thinking that he had Buffalo coming up next, which was a strong defense, or one of the two teams that I thought would be in the NFC Championship coming up. So I didn't think it was going to get any easier than that Jacksonville matchup for Mahomes. Makes sense. So you're saying that because you used Mahomes last week, if you don't use Burrow this week, and let's say Kansas City wins, and you use one of the NFC guys, and that NFC team loses, then you're kind of out of luck. Well, that's what it is. If if the if I don't use Burrow and the Chiefs advance, and I use one of the NFC guys, then yeah, I could be without a quarterback for the Super Bowl. Yeah, not great. No, that's what that's why. And I don't look. I don't mind using again. I don't mind using Burrow in this spot here. I'd rather use him against the Chiefs and one of these two oh, yeah. powerhouse defenses that they have on the other side as well. So that's that goes into part of the strategy. Last week, though, I mean, I hadn't used Higgins or what or what's his name? Tyler Chase. Boyd. Tyler Boyd. No, I used Chase last week. Oh, okay. I didn't use T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd yet either. So that's going to definitely help with a little mini stack that I'm going to be going with for Cincinnati this weekend. So just part of the one-and-done strategy that I'm imploring this year. I had saved Chase and 
Higgins, so I'm using Chase this week and figuring he's the better play, and if they advance, then I still have Higgins for the Super Bowl. Speaking of advancing, Scott Rowland advances <laughs> to the Hall of Fame. Look at that. Listen, I, I went back to look at some of my old fantasy baseball teams from like 04 and 05. I was a Scott Rowland guy. I drafted him in the fourth round and maybe even the third round in both of those years because he's freaking awesome there. But here's the interesting thing. There are some that will poo-poo players that get popped today in Major League Baseball for taking whatever they've taken. But then on the other side, they'll be like, well, how do you not let Barry Bonds and those guys into the Hall of Fame, the steroid guys into the Hall of Fame? And that's what I don't understand. So I almost feel like as a baseball fan, you have to take a stance whether these guys are all getting in or they shouldn't. And it sucks with someone like Barry Bonds because I guess before he was taking or at least noticeably bigger he had won multiple MVPs and had crushed it even on the Pirates before he went to San Francisco. I don't know how you guys felt when it came to seeing Scott Rowland get in. Number one, I'll give you this. I was pissed that Todd Helton didn't get in. I freaking love Todd Helton, and I thought that he should have gotten in. You miss it by three percentage points. That just sucks. But, Sells, I mean, you're, I'd say, of the three of us, I'd say, I would say you're the biggest baseball guy. I could be wrong about that, Hallam, but... Sells, I'd say you're the biggest, most passionate baseball fan, probably the most protective of the Hall of Fame, since it is, I would say, the most coveted Hall of Fame, hardest to get in. What are your thoughts on seeing Scott Rowland get in and these steroid guys being in purgatory? So, first of all, I'm perfectly fine with Scott Rowland getting in. I think he should have been in a while ago. I think the people that are like, well, if he gets 10%, how could you climb it to 75 because baseball writers learn things. They evolve. You get new ones in. They look at data differently. I'm fine with people evolving their view on players. And for those of you that I saw this discussion happening a lot on Twitter, that it's like, well, if Scott Rowland's in, then Omar Vizquel should be in. No. Sorry. Vizquel, defense. Great. Great defensive player. Right? Okay. Here's a fact for you that automatically disqualifies Omar Vizquel from getting into the Hall of Fame. Jeremy Franks, uh, who I believe is at MLB Random Stats, he's like a researcher for baseball reference, stated that if Omar Vizquel came back today and hit 400 consecutive home runs, <laughs> his career OPS would be 12 points lower than Scott Rowland's. <laughs> Sorry. Not in the Hall of Fame. I'm perfectly fine with Scott Rowland being in. He should have been in a few years ago. Um, to be honest, Todd Helton should have gotten in. Billy Wagner should already be in the Hall of Fame. Um, there's a few guys on this list that should be in already. As for the steroid guys, I take a different view than most people who are like, well, it's a museum. You can't tell the story of baseball without a museum. There are two parts to the Hall of Fame. There is the museum part in which Barry Bonds has memorabilia in that part. He has baseballs. He has bats. He's got jerseys. He's got records. They're in the Hall of Fame. So is Roger Clemens. So are so is Sammy Sosa. So is McGuire. The story of 98 is like a whole display, okay, then there's the Hall of Plaques. That's different. You can't, yes, they're connected, but you cannot think of them as the same thing. 
And by the way, I also think that Barry Bonds is a bad, um, a bad example of the PED guys not getting in, because before you can draw a a line of demarcation in Barry Bonds's career, from before he took PEDs to when everybody basically knows he started taking, right? There's a very finite range as to he started in basically 2000. You can take everything before that and say those are legit, and after that, no. And before that, he's a Hall of Famer. He's the only guy ever with 400 homers and 400 steals before he ever took PEDs, okay? Hall of Famer. Does it work that way for Roger Clemens? I don't know, because you're talking about half his career. You're taking away half his Cy Young's. Half his strikeouts, half his wins. Is he a Hall of Famer then? Probably not. Look, three Cy Youngs is pretty awesome. Seven is impressive. But if you take away four of them because they're illegitimate, that's a bigger problem. McGuire's entire career was based on PEDs. Sosa's entire career was based on PEDs. Most of Alex Rodriguez's career is based on PEDs. So if the line of demarcation is what we know and what we don't, based on well-researched and, and discussed timeframes, Barry Bond should be in. That's fine. The other ones, I have a bigger problem with. I might be the only person on the planet with that view, but that's that's what I've come to settle on with, with that. But, yeah, going back to Scott Rowland, I think he should have been in a while ago. It was a crock of poo that he only got, like, 10% to begin with because you're just not watching – you, you, like, literally should not be voting on the Hall of Fame if you didn't think Scott Rowland was a Hall of Famer when he was first on the ballot. And for those of you that think that Adrian Beltre, who is eligible for the first time next year, is not a first-time Hall of Famer, turn in your voting cards because that's insane. Flat-out insane. The guy's got 3,100 hits, like almost 500 homers. It, it, just put him in the Hall. He's a first-time Hall of Famer, first ballot Hall of Famer. Not even a question. Wow. The weird part for me was Roland as the only guy in. Like, he doesn't strike me as like. Well, he's not the only guy going. Well, in. the only guy voted in. Fred McGriff finally got in thanks to the committee, the the smaller committee that yeah. votes. The, the newer committee, to the newer committee <laughs> to try to get people <laughs> in. The writers wouldn't. Put like, Fred McGriff should have been in a while ago too. Uh, I love Scott Rowland. Obviously, I'm a Cardinals fan. Uh, he was probably the best third baseman since Mike Schmidt. Uh, I think he's borderline. I don't know. I, I don't know that I think in Scott Rowland's career, I was like, that guy's a no-brainer Hall of Famer as I was watching him play. Uh, I have no problem getting him in. I don't know if it's starting to be, if it's going to start to become the Hall of Very Good. Uh, but. Well, so here's, here's, my question, because I also saw this stat, too. There are more players in the Hall of Fame who debuted in 1880 and 1890 than those who debuted in 1980 and 1990. So are we viewing them compared to yesteryear when there was far fewer teams, fewer schedules, no black players, no Latin players, no whatnot as compared to what they have to face now, because I guarantee you, if you put Babe Ruth up against Garrett Cole, there's no way that man hits 700 home runs. I'm sorry, Babe Ruth, great baseball player. 
he was hitting against guys who routinely threw 85 miles an hour, not 98 and moving and coming from like you put him up against Randy Johnson. There's no way he gets a hit. Like, like, but you think that because he faced like lefty Williams, he was able to hit a zillion home runs. And don't forget the spider tech. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying like, what are we, are we really needing guys to hit the 500 home run? I don't know. Like, I feel like I was having this conversation with my dad yesterday and he was like, well, well, who's hall of famers now? And I was like, all right, Scherzer, Verlander, uh, you know, guys like that. And then I was like, I couldn't really trout, but I was like struggling to come up with like 20 names. And I'm like, is my, is my standard just stupid? Am I not paying attention? Like, and it was just like, Oh, I, I feel, yeah, I feel like there was more guys when I was a kid and maybe because I looked at it differently because I was younger that I thought were like no brainers. And now as I'm older, I'm like, eh, he's good, but Mickey and I don't Cabrera. Know. he'll go. He'll walk in. He's a yeah. he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yes, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He, he, he like he'll he brought up Freddie Freeman. I think Freddie Freeman will be a Hall of Famer. I mean. Julio like, we're talking about 300 wins, right? No pitcher. 300 no pitcher wins is over. 300 wins is a thing of the past. I mean, you said Berlander is a Hall yeah. of Famer, which I agree with. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's at 244 right now. Mm. 244 and 133. That's pretty impressive. His career ERA is 324. Also good. There's nothing on his resume that says he's not a Hall of Famer. But I'm just saying, like, if we're waiting for these milestones to happen, like... I don't think they do anymore. Like Scherzer, not. for example, Hall of Famer. He's at 201 wins. Yeah, I think 300 wins will become 200 in the next five years as kind of the the milestone. 300 is long gone to me. You think Adam Wainwright will make the Hall of Fame? I think he will. Uh, probably not the first ballot, but I think he will. He had a lot of postseason success. He I has a he ring. Was, he was pretty popular as far as being a guy, which we know all helps. Uh, so I think he will make it. I don't know that he's will make it the first time. Maybe it'll take him five years or so. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's a first. See, like, that's the weird part about this discussion is, like, does it really matter the ballot? Like, nobody remembers who went in on first ballot. And, I mean, people are going to remember that Mariano Rivera is the only unanimous Hall of Famer, which I find hilarious that a relief pitcher is the <laughs> first one. But... Griffey should be as well, but some guy decided to be an asshole. I mean, it's somebody. It is, yeah. He yeah I been. mean, if Babe Ruth isn't and Cy Young isn't and Walter Johnson isn't and, like, and Ty Cobb isn't, theoretically, there's an argument. I can't be convinced that Ken Griffey Jr. was on anything during his career. Same oh. body type. Nothing changed. He's got hurt. Towards the latter stages of his career, once he had since, I I am not convinced at all that Ken Griffey Jr. was on anything. I don't think it's I don't think it's PEDs. I think what it is is game theory, right? You know that Ken Griffey's getting in. You know he's a mortal lock to get in. So why vote for him? You only have ten spots. If your vote doesn't push him over the barrier, then anything extra is a wasted vote, right? Because once you clear 75, it doesn't matter the percent. They don't put your percentage on the plaque unless you're Mariano. Um, So at that point, you allot your vote to go to somebody else who may fall off 
because if you don't get over 5%, you fall off the ballot, right? So I understand that. The way to to avoid that is to get rid of the 10 vote thing. Just get rid of it. Just let them vote for whoever the heck they want to vote for. And if it's nobody, it's nobody. If it's 15 players, okay. But uh, this whole percentage thing is is weird to me. Like, is is Wainwright a Hall of Famer? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But then can you make the argument that he's a compiler? Which, by the way, I hate that argument. Uh, the, the people who go, oh, he compiled. Well, you have to play a while to get on to the Hall of Fame ballot and be considered a Hall of Famer. And if you play a while, you're going to, by definition, compile stats. Like, is Nolan Ryan a compiler because he played for 480 years? No, he was that good. Like, I, I don't get the compiling argument for, like, Biggio is the face of this. Oh, he's a compiler. No, he was just that good and played for, like, 18 seasons. Yeah. My my argument against Wainwright compiling was he was really damn good the past couple of years. So his yes. last couple of years, it wasn't just holding on. He was actually the best pitcher, sadly, the best pitcher we had. He also had a nice little run as a closer. Uh, Carlos Beltran, and Mets fans will remember that. Uh, so he had a little bit of a, a starting I don't know what closing. you're talking about. <laughs> starting, closing, starting kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, but my theory is also bad. If you bring up a name and you have to think about it like Matches did, then no, he's not a Hall of Famer. But. I mean, Wainwright, his career numbers right now are 195 and 117 with a 338 career ERA in the regular season. Is that good enough? Maybe, but I can make an argument that Andy Pettit should be in if you're putting Wainwright in, and nobody seems to think that Andy Pettit is a Hall of Famer. Wasn't he on something, Andy Pettit? Yeah, yeah. But he, he admitted it, so it's okay. He admitted it. <laughs> said it was, uh, he said he was sorry, so it doesn't matter. Old, but I also don't think that it actually, like, if you look at his numbers, there's no, like, clear, like, oh, one season he threw a 1-8, and then he went back to a 4-0 ER. Like, there's, like, none of that. So, I mean... The Hall of Fame I mean, good. Pettit has 256 career wins, and Wainwright has 195. Do wins matter? Maybe. Maybe not. I know they're a flawed stat, but so is every stat in baseball. So, like, you know, it's it's kind of a weird we're in, we're in gray areas. A now. thousand percent, especially because it's, you know, the significance when you're first ballot versus third or fourth, anything like that. I mean, people really put that on a pedestal when you're – first ballot Hall of Famer as well. But I like seeing some of these guys get in. I, I've been with when it comes to the steroid guys, I think sells you said it right there, the difference between the museum and the plaque area. So they're still being featured even though they're not in that main enshrinement area. So that's something that we'll be continuing to talk about every time there's a new class, even if it's one person being announced. But guys, the family table Time to bring something every week we do. And for me, I mentioned it on the top there. Since Ryan always mentions different fun contests that you could be in, I'll mention this one and I'll be very brief about it. For the WWE Royal Rumble, it actually does appeal to the non-wrestling fan because you can have a pool and it's really the luck of the draw. For instance, I run a pool for each Rumble. It's $10 a number. And with other payouts, not just who wins the Rumble, but with other payouts like most eliminations, longest in the Rumble, and you pick names out of the hat and the number you draw, the wrestler that comes out, that's your wrestler. 
in my pool, you can pay $10 and it's again, all luck, there's no skill. And you can win up to $260 in one entry. And that's why my Royal Rumble pools have always been very appealing to the non-wrestling fan. Cause you don't have to know a thing about wrestling. It's just, you sit with someone else who knows it's like, Hey, is this person good? And you could be like, Oh, maybe they could get a longevity prop. Most eliminations prop. Maybe they're the oldest wrestler. They're old as, as old as Ryan Hallam. I mean, at the same time, you can definitely have all those payouts involved and it's not a, a lick of skill whatsoever. So I love the Royal Rumble pools that I throw. If there's anything that you're going to watch with wrestling, even if you think wrestling sucks, the Royal Rumble appeals to the non-wrestling fans. So start up a pool, have all 30 numbers in a hat, have a few of your friends there. If it's divisible in the ter terms of 30, if you have five or six, then you each get five or six wrestlers. If you want to do it that way, you get a bunch of friends, you pick out of the hat. Some of you may buy three boxes. Some of you may buy one, whatever your number is, that's your number. And it's fun if it's done the right way. It's a great, great night. That's it, guys. That's all I'll say about wrestling. Well, I'll go next because there's another contest because Survivor is only five weeks away. Uh, so uh, I assume we'll get the regular people back. But if you want to play Fantasy Survivor, follow me on Twitter at Fighting Chance and drop a, a note there. Also, uh, a number of weeks ago, one of my family table was I was partake, partaking in dry January. It is now, as we are recording, the 26th of January. Still going strong. Yeah. I'm not caved. Last Sunday was tough against the NFL playoff game. This Sunday is going to be even tougher with the NFC Championship game, but I'm not going to blow with two friggin' days left. So uh, I'm so close. Six days left to completing a dry January. So if anyone else is out there with me, Yahoo. You going to go for February almost there. too? No, no way. The Super Bowl, uh, no, no way. I don't, I, I've said a couple times, I'll do February 1st too, just to prove a point, but I don't know. We'll see about that. Shohei Otani projections are back. There's no way he's making yeah, it. No. February. I can't. I can't. <laughs> it's not me. That's uh, Matt Wolf that has to drink because of Shohei Otani. I just wait till he picks. <laughs> Ryan, well, you've done a good job, man. Way to maintain over these last 26 days. So keep it up, man. Got a few Thank more days to go, and then you complete dry January. Sells, what about you? What are you bringing to the table? What are you grilling this week? Well, I can't do dry January because I just got an order of my seasonal hard cider. That just showed up from a local uh, vineyard that we have here. We're part of a, a, they have a cider club, so they ship it to me uh, every three months. It's a seasonal one. These ones sound, sound pretty tasty, actually. Um, what I'm bringing is free MLB draft guide. Uh, it's going to launch on February 1st, which I'm pretty sure we won't have another pot out before then. I'll drink uh, to that. There you go. <laughs> um, it's going to be free. F-R-E-E -E free, like that, you know, annoying-ass commercial used to say. Um, yeah, it's going to be chock full of a whole bunch of goodness. I'm personally writing the NLE's player uh, capsules that you'll find on each of the player pages. And soon to come, MLB player cards. When you click on their name, it'll pop up. Um, I've also written a couple of league strategy pieces already. Plus, uh, I'm on the docket for two other ones, like, Players you can target with the ban of the shit, you know, they're banning the shift uh, this year. So players that we can target uh, who will benefit from that. Hint, hint, Corey Seager's at the top of the list. Um, and some other rule changes, like how stolen bases might skyrocket this year, because there's bigger bases 
that are happening. So that gives a little bit more room for them, those players to slide into. Um, yeah, so we got we got a whole bunch of stuff. We got player debates coming. We've got uh, position specific uh, highlights that are happening. Colby Conway and myself will be rolling out weekly MLB podcasts again. So baseball season is close. Is very, very close. The first um, spring training games, by the way, are February 25th. So less than a month from today's date, we get spring training games. Um, and NASCAR comes back on February 5th. We get the clash at the Coliseum. They paved over uh, a football field and put a racetrack in the Coliseum. Uh, it was a blast to watch last year, so I'm excited for that again this year. Not really DFS content for that one because – it's just not it's just not a great <laughs> exhibition race to to play. Starting field isn't set for like a half hour before the race and whatnot. But uh, Dan Malin and myself will be back with podcast playbook uh, core plays this year, not example lineups, core plays. Um, and Daytona 500 rolls off the line in uh, February 19th, the Sunday after the Super Bowl, and it goes all the way until my birthday in November. So whole lot of NASCAR content, a whole lot of baseball content. That's what I'm bringing. And the baseball stuff, at least I know for a fact, is free. Still waiting to find that on NASCAR. Well, I'll tell you this. This could be free, even if your content's not free for NASCAR. My guy, Billy By, William Byron, he's going to win the Daytona 500 cells. I'm telling you right now. I'm feeling it. Billy By. I mean, you've been feeling him winning every week since. Listen, listen. Okay, it works last sometimes. year. Listen, it works sometimes, Zero, right? When you have a feeling, I think, you have a feeling. I, I think his girlfriend's brother is actually going to win the Daytona 500. Wow. Don't don't disrespect William Byron like that. You can respect, though, and I mean, follow his Matt. girlfriend's Cole. brother is Ryan Blaine. Stop disrespecting no. William Byron, Sells. That's my guy right there. <laughs> Give Matt Sells a follow on Twitter at The Sells Man. Give Ryan Hallam a follow at Fighting Chance, also known as Johnny Fairplay. When it comes to his fantasy survivor, I'm at Fancy Sports. Going to do a fun Super Bowl episode next week. We'll get you maybe some props that are out and get you ready to roll there because the big game's coming up in just a few short weeks. Will Ryan Hallam's 49ers be part of it right there? And if so, will Ryan Hallam wear pants to the next episode of Family Times? Find out because a family that sticks together wins together. <laughs>